to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You know, if you've got to go through a bit of a, a, a marathon of stress, you've got something in reserve to call on. Welcome to the deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognize their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. We are addicted to being busy. I'm addicted to being busy. We wear stress like a badge of honor, and I want to turn the tables on that today. Let's slow down, look after our minds and bodies, and change our way of thinking. Sharon is a mentor for wellness, for stress reduction. She's an expert in this, and she's going to share her most valuable biohacks to reduce stress and reconnect. Sharon, welcome to the deep. Hello, Zoe. I'm so happy to be with you today. Thank you for inviting me. You are a stress management advisor, an author, and a wellness advisor. Many things. Yeah, I kind of think of myself as a mentor for stress resilience and sharing wellness wisdom across lots of different places, businesses, cultures, leadership, and I love to bring that about with horses as an equine therapist as well. So, yeah, I, I think it just means I've been around on the planet for a while, so and just kind of <laughs> develop lots of different skills that I love to do. And these days I just do what I love to do. And what a privilege, right, to get to do what you love to do every day. Oh, I think it's probably the most important thing that we can do as humans is to find a sense of meaning and purpose, to follow our heart, and to do what we love to do because then it does, mm. doesn't feel like we have to get up in the morning and do stuff we don't enjoy. I have met you a few times because I have frequented a wellness um, retreat that you worked with for many years and, and you still uh, on the advisory kind of, you still work with Wingana. Yes, and I work with Peninsula Hot Springs in Victoria as well. So I have watched you speak, you do seminars, and I've also um, done equine therapy on a retreat there as well. So I've had firsthand experience with you. 
And I went the last time, like many people do, because I was burnt out, depleted, at my wits end, um, feeling very unwell. And you had a two-day seminar and I was so annoyed because I had to leave on the last day that the two-day finished. And I was like, Sharon, I have to go, but you haven't finished the seminar. And you're like, it's all in the book. So then I got the book and I became really obsessed with how to like not be stressed, right, which is such a funny thing in our modern society. And I wanted to touch on a few different things with you today, but one of them is stress resilience and then the other one is wellness. And I know they're huge, beefy topics, but I want people to listen to this conversation and feel really motivated. And if not, if they can't access one of the places in which you work, that maybe they can start small, get the book, or just start from this conversation and do some like simple things. So can we begin with stress because it's very intricate and the way you explain it is really powerful. But do you think that we have become addicted in modern-day society to our adrenals flaring to being in a stress response that we actually don't know what to do when there is space around us? Yeah, I think you're touching on something really powerful there. I believe it comes back to understanding that our body's natural response is to work in survival mechanism if we feel any kind of threat or danger. And that ancient hardwired pathway in our body and in our DNA was set up by the ancient ancestors of the human species who had to deal with life, life saving or, or life threats. And the, what we call the stress response is the survival response. And it's designed to get us out of life threatening situations. And when we turn that on, which we often call the flight, fight, you know, freeze and faint sort of system, we're literally turning on an atomic bomb in our body that gives us enough power and energy to actually, you know, deal with life-threatening situations. But today we kind of turn it on for non-life-threatening things um, and we turn it on for psychological and psychosocial stress and we've we kind of become conditioned to feeling like there's a sense of urgency. There's a, there was a great book written in the 80s um, and it was written by two cardiologists, Friedman and Rosenman, and they, they, they coined a phrase called type A behaviour. And whilst that's sort of been, you know, a bit debunked at the moment, one of the things they came up with was, and I, I love this, was they called it hurry sickness. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and hurry sickness is a, a sense of urgency of having to get more done in less and less time. That's me. <laughs> Yeah. So I think what we're going through is not so much type A behavior these days. I think we're going through hurry sickness and it's, it, it, it has caused us to adapt in ways that are not aligned with our natural system. So we have maladaption and that's creating all sorts of problems with our health and well-being mentally, physically and emotionally. Um, because we're not really designed to, to, to kind of have that sense of feeling urgent all the time. And I do believe, as you say, that, that we kind of, we're kind of like 
the little rat in the in the cage going, okay, what's next? I'm ready for it. What's next? Let's go. Okay, okay. Well, there must be something. <laughs> and everybody around us is the same. <laughs> and it seems like we're so overstimulated with everything now, especially devices and everyone being so accessible all of the time. But when I'm practicing wellness in my life, that when I have space, I'm feeling bored or I'm feeling, um, you know, that kind of dopamine hit. I'm not getting it like um, as much as I am from a device. And I think that is just as important to acknowledge as everything else because you can carve out space right and you can continually do that but then when you're alone in that space if you're not being fed the drugs that you have been used to for so long um it's it's kind Mm -hmm. of confronting it's you don't actually know what to do with yourself do you find that as well because you have high Mm. level executives you have a lot of people that come for this wisdom and then they the it arrives what do you tell people to do when it arrives and it, it, it is boring or, you know, it's not as um, satisfying as what they're used to? Um, I use that in kind of quotation marks. What, what, what is going on here and how do we move in back to simplicity? A lot of it has to do with our nervous system being really wired. And as you say, we've been flipping on switches for certain biochemicals that we've become addicted to. Um, so adrenaline is addictive. Um, when our cells divide and separate, the little receptor sites on the cells that have been used the most are what the cells replicate and create more of. So if we've got a lot of adrenaline receptor sites on our cells, guess what? We're going to crave more adrenaline. So it's a process. It's almost like coming off sugar. Um, it's a process of allowing time and recognizing that there's discomfort within that time and that as the nervous system calms and as the cells divide and separate and we have more equanimity in our world, then things become and feel more normal. So, um, you know, once upon a time, really Western medicine was quite divided from the traditional healing systems uh, and Western medicine was all about homeostasis, you know, like we need to find balance in the body systems, which is relevant and we need to. Whereas the, the, the more Eastern philosophy was looking for equanimity, which is balance in the mind and the emotions. And once upon a time that was kind of seen as a little bit out there, airy-fairy, but now science is suggesting that that is really, really, really important and it's the antidote to what it is that we're experiencing, which is this kind of hurry sickness and come on, let's get on with it and how can we possibly stop? Um, There's so many things to do. So to me, what the health retreats do is they bring about space where you press pause on life and they're working on homeostatus, right? Um, But they're also providing and creating space without devices and technology for equanimity to actually happen. And I think when you have equanimity and homeostasis together, that's when we thrive. Um, we're not a machine and we can negotiate as much as we like with our body. However, there are things that it needs and if we don't give it to it, if we don't give them to it, we will break. And if we break, everything will break around us. 
I think that's a really important point because we don't want everyone to get to a rock bottom before they take their health seriously. And I had a really serious health scare about two weeks ago and, and I consider myself very well and I prioritise wellness. I am addicted to ambition and something I'm working on. Um, but I bartered, as you do when you often are um, going through a difficult time with my higher power, that if I was okay, I would live a fulfilled, well, joyful, like, and a really purposeful, joyful life. And so I was, we've kind of shelved it for six months. We'll do further testing. And in the meantime, I have the absolute privilege that I can structure pockets within my day to look after myself in ways that I know I need to, to, like you said, uh, support this machine that is my body. There are going to be lots of people listening right now that might be deep in the trenches of early motherhood, um, financially maybe don't have the access points that might be needed. But how would you, for example, I woke up, my neck spasmed at 10 to 6 this morning and I appreciated the time because if it was 1 in the morning, I wouldn't have gone back to sleep. And so I was like, okay, I'm up and I've got about half an hour before the kids are up. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to sit and I'm going to meditate. And I put on my chiming bells and music and uh, set the timer and I did that and then got the kids up, got ready and went for a walk by myself because I had a nanny here. Lots of people don't have that. Lots of It's chaos, you know, and lots of people don't have um, space to input these things. What do you say to those people that are like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm depleted, I'm in a season, which I understand is not for really myself, I'm, I'm in a, a mothering period or a parenting period. How do I focus on my wellness when I feel like, I'm there for everyone else constantly. Mm, it's it's a huge question. And it, recently in the last two years, my daughter gave birth to my grandson and I've watched her work and also, you know, breastfeed and go through the whole he's not sleeping, which he's still not sleeping and he's two and a half properly. But anyway, um, yeah. and you can you can see what happens. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's about the small moments um, and the small moments are I'm sitting at the traffic lights and it's a red light and I'm in a hurry and I need to be somewhere and I need to get there. And in that moment, you can actually choose to mentally, you know, focus on what's wrong with this or to mentally focus on there's nothing I can do about this situation. I'm actually at a red light. There's nothing I can do. What I can do is I can choose to take this moment in time to do something like a cyclic breathing. So cyclic breathing has more, most recently been proven to be um, more uh, effective in calming us down and settling our nervous system than just about anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a really simple thing to do. It's literally taking a breath in and do you want to do it with me? And we can do it right now because this is something that people can do. They get me to sleep every night, so let's do them. 
Yeah, so this is a breath in, that we take a breath in as like into our lungs and then, so we, and then we take as much air as we possibly can into our lungs to fill the lungs up. So like really fill it up and then just hold it for a moment and then very, very slowly let that air out and take as long as you possibly can. The goal is to lengthen the outward breath. And so just take as many moments as you possibly can in your day. When you sit on the toilet, when you go to hang the washing on the line, when you are um, doing the dishes, when you are all those moments where the mind just goes, you know, this is a crazy world, I've got no time for myself. Um, It's about overriding those thoughts of what's wrong with this and saying, actually, in this moment, I'm just going to cyclically breathe. Yeah. That's just one little tip. And also, I can't stress it because I've always poo-pooed these things like, oh, like I'd be more relaxed if I just flicked through social media for five minutes and gave myself me time. You know, I just want something for me. And then you do the practice and you go, holy shit. Like not only does it Uh, balance my nervous system but I have space to have a thought arrive that I've really needed or I can be more present to what the baby is doing now or like it's the benefits are so much more than just the nervous system chilling right like it the the value on breath work is so under valued I think by the mainstream it is, I think it was Stanford University that just did this research recently. Um, and it was listed on um, the Global Wellness Institute, their website. They have um, a wellness portal where you can click through and you can go and look at all the latest research. It's very cleverly done. It's all icon orientated. All the latest research that helps you to understand how to come at what wellness is and what works and what doesn't. It's not the, the anecdotal, um, research. It's actually the PubMed, you know, the, the medical research, the double blind studies. And what Stanford University found was that that cyclic breathing was more powerful in overriding and calming people down than meditation. And yes. a lot of the, <laughs> Um, sedative type of drugs. So a, a long time ago in my 30s, I, I, I went through a really difficult period, a very dark night of the soul, and I met something called Qigong. Um, and Qigong was probably the greatest challenge I've ever done. And my teacher was Mr. Wong. You may have heard me talk about him. Yes. And he said to me one day when I was doing something, he said, whatever you resist the most is most probably what you need the most. And that has been like a mantra for me in my life, but also it's one that I've shared with thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the 30 years that I've worked in health retreats. And it's something that I think, look, everyone can Google. You could literally find a YouTube video on all of these things for free, right, to give you a little bit of a starting point or, or some support. The breath work is a big one. Another one that we obviously talk about is what we're consuming. So when we go to a health retreat, it's no caffeine, it's no alcohol, no sugar, no refined or processed foods. Um, it's a lot of whole foods, organic foods, and it's 
incredible because if you're at a very good retreat, you get incredible food, right? And that's why I always return. But one of the main reasons is it's just so bloody delicious. But I left there and I felt so passionate about the food. And I came home, I got off the plane, I walked up to the supermarket with my little boy and I bought like $70 worth of organic vegetables for a vegetable soup, right? And I thought, holy shit, that's super expensive. Um, And I made the soup and it was great, but it's hard firstly to sustain if you don't have that kind of wealth, that option, right? But then there's like, okay, people are addicted to stimulants, coffee to get up, alcohol to go to sleep, um, sugar to get a kick, all of the different things. I want to talk about, obviously there's detoxing. People know about that. They can choose to do that if they want. Do you find though, Sharon, this is many questions in one, I'll, I'll go full circle, but from here, the cleaner you get, right? So I don't drink caffeine. I gave it up about 10 years ago. My nervous system couldn't deal. Alcohol and me, the older I get, the more sensitive I get. Sugar, the same thing. You know, I'll get thrush or my body doesn't like it. Do you find that the cleaner you get, the harder it is to tolerate substances like that? I think you touched on something really brilliant there where you said my body doesn't like it. Mm. And, you know, there isn't necessarily one size fits all. I truly believe that wellness isn't necessarily what it looks like because when I was falling apart in my 30s, I was probably the poster child for health and fitness and had just been awarded fitness leader of the year. But inwardly, that's not what was going on. And I was adrenally shot to pieces. So at that particular time, it's the body that this substance is going into. So caffeine, for example, has some really great studies that says, you know, there are some benefits to it, but depends on the lens in which you're looking. So if you've got a body that is not sleeping very well and is wired and tired and you go and add caffeine, then you're just adding insult to injury. And when you then take that away and you feel the difference and then you put it back in again and you you feel different, you then make an informed choice because you go, actually, I feel better without it. Yeah. Yes. So I think there's a, there's, there's a clearing and there's a cleansing, but for some people, you know, they have genetically have very strong, um, genes that detoxify their system really, really well. And they can probably clear caffeine in, you know, four to six hours. For other people, it can take up to 36 hours. So it's an individual thing. Very individual. Very individual. Yeah. Um, what fits one person doesn't necessarily fit another, but I think the point that you've made so brilliantly was you actually listen to your body. And I truly believe that's what's missing out there in the world um, is that we're so busy, we're missing the signals because the body's giving us feedback all the time. I mean, if you're not sleeping, that's feedback. Mm. That's massive feedback. Yeah, yeah. But I also think people are having coffee for a kick, right, to wake up. And that's become normal, right? Everyone gets up and and the cafes are packed full of coffee drinkers. But I would question if 
you need something to be awake just like if you need something to be asleep, it might not be the reason to have the thing. You know, like we choose sugar or we choose alcohol or we choose coffee, I guess, as pleasure versus as dependence. Mm-hmm. You're, you're spot on. I, I 100% agree with you. We've become a society that warms up with caffeine and cools down with alcohol. And it's not because we want to do it. It's because we almost have a need to do it. Um, and when you need to do something, that is an indication that if you can't happily go without caffeine for five days, then there's, there's more than I enjoy caffeine for my socialization going on. If you can't have five days without alcohol, then it's not the alcohol that's a problem. It's the relationship with the alcohol. That becomes a problem. But we're so busy and we're and, and, and I think there's a great deal of fear in facing those things, you know. What if I don't know how to fix it? What if I fall apart? What if I can't fix it? You know, they, it opens up a lot of fear. And that underlying low-grade anxiety is also contributing to the day-to-day stress. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now I want to move on to uh, there's some really great things to take us. You've discussed this in the book. We haven't discussed this today. Red zone to blue zone. And I don't want to um, confuse people, but when we're incredibly stressed in fight, flight, freeze, faint, and we want to bring ourselves back down to a place that where our brain and our system is working really productively you've got really great tips. And one of them that has um, sunk in and has kind of haunted me because I haven't been able to get an appointment lately is acupuncture. And there are a few kind of like no brainer things to do to rebalance. Those are obviously breath work, acupuncture. Um, What are some of those other things other than meditation exercise that you suggest yeah, well, maybe we should start with um, the red zone is what Karen and I, Dr. Karen and I sort of said was where we have far too much, far too many stress hormones in our body for too long and we feel impatient and intolerant and irritable and anxious and overwhelmed, angry and all those sorts of things. And we tend to feel that that is a performance zone, but actually research has shown the more stress hormones we have, the more our productivity and performance goes down and we don't collaborate um, with other people. Um, and that's, that's, that is a part of the nervous system called the sympathetic nervous system. And we just call it the red zone because it's easy to color code it. The sympathetic nervous system is the flight fight system. That's where it is. And, um, the opposing, the opposing um, part of the nervous system is uh, the parasympathetic, um, which is the, we call it the blue zone. And we are supposed to 
um, actually flip from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic because the parasympathetic is where we feel peaceful and relaxed and calm and reassured and patient and loving and all those things. And it's sort of a, a place where we have to go, we have to go for our healing. Um, you can't be in both parts of the nervous system at the same time, but we should regulate from one to the other. And the way that we look at that is something called heart rate variability. Um, and that basically means that we are easily moving from part of our nervous system to the other. And when people get stuck in the red zone, their heart rate variability changes and they can't actually flip this to get over to the other side, okay? Then the, the working zone, the productivity zone, is something we call the, the purple zone where you've got the right amount of stress hormones there and it's like a drip feed, kind of like the Goldilocks. Red is too much. Blue, you don't feel like doing anything. You're relaxed, so <laughs> that's not enough. But the purple zone is like the just right, yeah? Um, and that's when you feel motivated and creative and focused and calm and patient and tolerant and all those things. That's your that's your productivity and your purpose zone. So the idea is that you, when you're getting things done, you spend time in your purple zone. And when you're not getting things done, you should be spending time in our blue zone. So the heart rate of variability is affected by our breath. So just breathing helps us to regulate, to stay in our purple zone or to actually want to get to the blue zone because that's where we want to get to for our healing. Um, the other thing is how we think about stuff because we tend to catastrophize and awfulize. And when we do that, you know, what's wrong with this? And if that person didn't, we're very judgmental, we get very cynical, um, we get angry, frustrated, all those sorts of things. It just pushes us into the red zone. So just challenging some of our thought processes of catching yourself and sort of saying, well, that's unhelpful to think that way. How can I think more helpfully? And when I think more helpfully about what's right with this and how can I build on that, that I'm actually challenging the mental chatter, the internal dialogue, and by doing that, I'm actually self-regulating as well. Do you suggest acupuncture because that forces you into the purple to blue zone thank you it actually it's like it's like a volume switch that gets you from your red to your blue um, acupuncture is by the way amazing for um, helping you sleep um, because it regulates it helps heart rate variability mm. so it regulates your nervous system and literally you know biohacks you into the blue zone now, the more time you spend in your blue zone, the easier it is for you to self-regulate and manage yourself in the purple zone. The least amount of time you spend in the blue zone, the more you will find yourself in the red zone and just exhausted and overwhelmed by life. My husband is really good at hanging out in the blue zone and I find that he, mm -hmm. yeah, he's, and maybe I don't want to gender this, but maybe men are better at doing that just from a Western society standard of women doing, you know, woman never sits down a mother's job has never done all of that BS. Do you think that then it is a restructure also of like roles? And because I feel like I get infuriated when I see him resting or relaxing, I'm like, how dare you? There's 10,000 things to do. Is it a reframing? 
I think it's I think it's a reframing for us women. Um, I grew up in an era where if you sat on the couch and you did something that was like read a book or relax, you were you were you were labelled to be lazy. Um, mm. However, I think we need to understand that if we don't spend time in our blue zone, if there are serious um, consequences to our ability to renew cellular health, build our microbiome, um, build a healthy immune system. So reframing the idea that spending time in the blue zone is actually strategically uh, resting <laughs> because we want to yes. give our body the power to be able to, A, recover um, and recharge. You know, even our mobile phone needs to be put on a charger. I love how you're saying that is a strategy because that's the only way women will see it as uh, meaningful or purposeful. Yeah. it's Think about it as strategic rest. Uh, and, you know, I think men, are, you know, they're, they're wired a little bit differently to women. I know when I speak to women at health retreats, often they say, I feel so guilty for taking the time to come and do this. And, um, you know, I just, I, I've left my children and I hope everything's going to be all right. And, you know, this is a lot of money to spend on myself. And when I talk to men, they go, I just realized I needed it and, and I came. <laughs> They don't dramatize it, they just do it. And, and, and I believe that women really hold the space on everything that needs to get done. We, we have a much more global awareness of what needs to be done in the house and the home for the people in the home and, and how everything gets done. Um, whereas men are very kind of linear in their, in their thinking on those sorts of things. Like, well, you know, well, right now I'm just doing this. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes I, I say to my daughter, I say, look, you know, while the, while the child is sleeping, sleep. But what, what we tend to do is while the child is sleeping is clean up. They're like every mother is like, ha, 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 you know, as if who's going to do the dishes, who's going to mop, who's going to fold the laundry, who, 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 who. But when the baby is sleeping, you have to have some sleep. You can get all the work done if you want to, but then you've got no sleep. Because we don't value it. We don't see it as important. Yeah, your patience, your tolerance, everything goes out the window. If we don't sleep, we don't function. So, and, and when I say sleep, the baby might sleep for three or four hours or with a bit of luck, you know, um, or 20, you know, but, mm. but mum might get an Anna nap for 20, like 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. That's, that's great. That'll, that'll, yeah. that's, that's a recharge. I wish for women that, and, and new mothers in particular, that they, could but I know as someone that went to work part-time seven weeks postpartum and did the whole uh, the whole thing of trying to do it all and then crashed and burned for six months you know uh, six months postpartum depletion so severely like I wish that for everyone but I feel like first-time mothers you know culturally we just don't have that space for support I just want to loop back now to the acupuncture as that kind of biohack do you other than breathing exercise meditation acupuncture are there other biohacks we can do honestly I I can't really and I want to say stress but I don't want to use that word stress enough how important how you think about what's happening to you. It, like it's so much more important than what's actually happening um, because you literally, you literally think yourself into a state. You can be sitting in a park with no stress around you whatsoever. The sun's shining. Um, it's a beautiful day and the birds are singing 
and you are taking yourself on a mental journey to anxiety and, and anger and frustration. We don't even need anyone else in the room with us. We're perfectly capable of increasing our own internal pressure ourselves. And really the volume switch on what we use in our internal pressure is, is such an important thing. Um, and in the book we talk about a 30-day challenge of how you think about stuff. I, I think it's a really important thing because the only person that can actually change the way you think is you. And it's... You change your thoughts, you change your perception, you change your world, and you literally biohack yourself. Look, massage, of course, um, going and sitting in, you know, I work with Peninsula Hot Springs, and going and sitting in a hot pool, like taking the family to the hot springs for the day and getting the kids and the grandmothers and everyone sitting in the hot pools is like literally turning the volume into your blue zone. People just go, oh. Um, so it's a, it's a day out. Get out in nature, vitamin N. So go to the beach and, you know, have a picnic in the park, like literally press pause on life on all the to-do list and all the sports and everything that everybody has to do and going, we're actually going to go and do nothing. We're just going to sit in the park. We might have a bit of a hit of cricket. Um, Mum gets to lie on the grass and look at the clouds. The kids get to play ball. You know, it's... Mother Nature is a massive salve on our nervous system, a massive salve. So if you think nature, you think breath, you think thoughts, you think, you know, things like hot springs, water, floating in a pool, having a bath with beautiful um, dead sea salts at the end of your day, um, doing some, you know, 15 minutes of or 10, 15 minutes of breath work first thing in the morning before you get out of bed, Last thing at night before, when you get in bed, before you go to sleep, do that breath work in the middle of the night if you wake up to actually help um, regulate yourself. Um, those sorts of things are, are really, really just things that you can do on the go with, with life. What about orgasm? Oh, perfect. Absolutely. The aftermath of sex, that orgasm, that absolute shift in our state, completely and utterly relaxes the body and you have this amazing biochemical dump into your bloodstream. It's impossible for you to be stressed and be in ecstasy at the same time. So perfect blue zone moment. And, and yet, you know what happens though? When we're stressed, we don't feel like it, right? So the very thing that we need to actually help us to recover is something that we're saying, hey, I don't feel like that. And, and I think there's lots of things that we do in life with that. We resist that which we need, that we need the most. So then when we talk about stress resilience, what is the difference then from be, being in the red zone, wanting to live in the purple zone? What is stress resilience and how does that become a positive? So stress resilience is making sure you've got energy in your tank. And one of the things that you often see in retreat, on retreat is when people are, and not all, not all programs, you know, at Wingana anyway, removes alcohol and caffeine, only some programs. But the ones where the, I suppose those programs have the most transformational effect on people, um, 
And when you remove those things and you take away stress, so there's no deadlines, timelines, responsibilities, expectations, there's no sugar coming into your system, there's no caffeine coming into your system and there's no alcohol or sugar from the alcohol coming into the system. Literally within 24 to 36 hours, people feel exhausted. And for me, that's a massive indication that there is no reserve in energy. And when you think about, you know, energy is the currency of our performance. So if you haven't got any energy and you're pushing on your adrenal system with sugar and stress and caffeine to get that last bit of energy that's not there, it's actually a synthetic form of energy. Um, stress resilience is where you're living a life where you're caring yourself in a way that you've got energy in your tank so if you've got to go through a you know if you've got to go through a bit of a, a, a marathon of stress you've got something in reserve to call on but if you've got nothing and then you've got to go through a marathon of stress that's when we break that's when we hit the you know, the adrenal fatigue, the adrenal exhaustion, which can, death, that's what burnout is. That's exactly what burnout is. Running with too many stress hormones in your system for far too long, you literally fried your nervous system, your adrenal system. You've got mental, emotional and physical depletion. And you're just like, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to fix this? Um and, and, and so it is sort of putting in place those things where you can restore uh, and making sure you've got some, that you've got something in your tank. It's a funny thing, though, because you are um, dissecting a framework of survival or of the way people are living and the way it's normalised in our culture. So... Um, for example, I've just started pottery and on the wheel and people are so um, flabbergasted that I give myself two hours a week to do my pottery. The thing is the pottery, yet yeah, sure, it's about clay and skill and all of the things, but what it does is for two hours it makes me completely present and uh, I am uncontactable. And I am with myself for two hours. And sometimes I don't want to go because I feel like, what is the point? You know, what am I getting out of this? Where's my box I'm ticking off? And I'm now retraining my brain to do things purely to be without outcome. Right. And it's, it is, a, it is like a full-time job. I, I really love to, if you don't mind, challenge you on, be rather than outcome the outcome that you're getting from pottery is being in your blue zone where you are actually yes. restoring your body's capacity to heal and to regenerate and to have energy so the outcome of that is that you're putting energy into your reserve and that's what I mean about being resilient in life is actually creating space or trying to carve out space. And, you know, pottery is something that I love to do as well that I've done 
in my past and I absolutely love it. It could be, you know, that we had this colouring in phase for a while where people bought all the colouring yeah. pencils and coloured in the mandalas. Yeah. It just could be that for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? It's just switching off the mental engine and literally being with yourself and time and, and, and trying to allow time to disappear. This to-do list and to-be list is okay to, to have, providing there's times where we, we switch off and go, right now I'm not thinking about my to-do and my to-be list. It's not going away. It's going to be there. But right now I'm in a different mode. I'm in, I'm in idling mode right now. You know, even, even race cars on a I need to come into the pits, you know. We need to give ourselves time in the pit. The reframe of, you know, people that are like, well, yeah, Zoe, you're so lucky you got to go for your walk because you can afford a nanny. Or, yeah, you get to go to a pottery class. Like what a privilege. And you're right. I've I've created this life so I can spend a couple hours on a nanny to go for a walk or, or, or the pottery, right? Like that I have shape-shifted my life around to value that because that's really important to me. Uh, many other things go without, right, so I can do that. But I think it's like reframing now, even if you can't do those things, right, don't see that as a cop-out of, oh, you just can't do it. Like go to bed early. Go to bed when the kids have gone to bed. Yeah, you might have to quickly do a quick clean-up of the kitchen or do something for the morning. But what if you got into bed and you listen to an audio book or you read a book or you just laid there listening to some some chiming bells or something, like it feels, I think, to a lot of people redundant because they're like, I want to catch up on my Netflix. I want to watch maths. I want to talk to my friend on the phone. I want to have a glass of wine. I want to, I want to, I want to, right? But I think we believe that those elements are self um it's giving to self when actually the, it's still not replenishing. I think that's the difference here, right? We're, we're confusing scrolling on social media as replenishing or me time. Where Can you just define that a bit? You're absolutely right. When your attention is outward, um, then your attention is not on you. Um, when your attention is inward, you're actually um, connecting with yourself and your um, you know, you're replenishing yourself. And it's, it's okay to do all those things though. You know, there's nothing wrong with those things, you know, scrolling through social media and catching up on maths and all those sorts of things. That's entertainment. Um, but there, there needs to be a category in our life where we go, this is just purely for me in terms of how I restore and have self care. And, and we don't want to do it sometimes because it's uncomfortable, you know. Um, but the consequences of not doing it is, is that we end up burnt out. So it's almost, you know, I, I took myself kicking and screaming in my 30s. I was in a, managing health clubs. I had a background in exercise science. I was teaching aerobic classes, you know, 80s and 90s, crazy disco music, loving it. But it was actually <laughs> depleting me. I was, a, I was a single mother. I was living from cent to cent, you know, you know, literally trying to make my life work. And I was just exhausted, but I didn't realise how exhausted I was because I couldn't literally connect with myself. The importance of connection you know, and 
Um, we started that conversation today with you feeling really purposeful in your work and your life. But I feel like my driving force in life and many others I'm sure are with me is feeling connected to other. And when I am in myself and lost in my thoughts and my stress and my chaos, I can't be connected with anybody, let alone myself. But the feeling I feel when I see someone, when I get them, when they get me, you know, that little bit of magic that happens in between you both, the feeling of I'm getting shivers through my body. I, I'm so fulfilled. When my daughter does something, she's 20 months, and we clock eyes and we are connected and she's giggling and I'm giggling, like the fulfillment that it also gives me my presence, brings me to the purple zone, brings, do you know, like all of that, I think that would also almost be a biohack, right? Connection. Yeah. To other. Definitely. Absolutely. You're, you're spot on with that. And I think the, what I watch, um, you know, and have watched over the many, many years of working in health retreats is how disconnected people are with themselves when they arrive. And then creating space and pressing pause on their life and eating and moving and, you know, going through the relaxation techniques and the meditation and all the things that are on offer that you don't have to do if you don't want to. By the end of five days, they've actually connected with themselves. And then the sense of community that really develops in, in those sorts of places is, is quite extraordinary where people just come together from all walks of life and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you what who you are or what you do um, it's just everyone sort of having these aha moments and these realizations that wow you know connection is amazing and I think you know the tragedy would be if we get to the end of our life and we take our final breath and we suddenly realize in that moment that the most important things that we have in our life have nothing to do with what we own and everything to do with how we've connected with ourselves and how we've connected with those people that we love throughout our life. I think the challenge is for you and I to slow down enough um, to be able to remember to live from that place. Oh, what a place to land on because I feel like this the privilege of my work to have these conversations with you and everyone else that we do. I, I mean, this um, format allows people to be in the purple zone, you know, podcasting, listening, connecting is, is like if you're at this point in this conversation, you're already there. You're halfway there to wanting what you are desiring for yourself, right? Like the yearning, to know more, to now feel acknowledged, seen, heard, connected, and then to go, okay, I'm going to look at my life and I'm going to place some boundaries because that's where I've landed. You know, three to six now, I, I own two businesses, but between three and six, I'm offline. That's empowering for me, but it also shows me value to myself and my family unit. Like my kids have me. Do I sometimes want to run away from them and go back to work between three and six? Every day. But we <laughs> get to be present and I get to turn up in a way that isn't me trying to be working mum and their mum all at once. Now, not everyone gets that choice. 
right? But you might find other boundaries you put in your day, whether that's waking up 10 minutes earlier, whether that's going to bed an hour earlier, whether that's choosing, and this is a big one for me, I stopped eating the cheesels and I got the natural chips, you know? These things that start to kind of honour yourself. And I think when you start to do that, you're kind of a little bit chuffed, aren't you? You're a bit like, holy shit, I love myself. This feels this feels good. Okay, I'm, I'm going to turn up for myself. And I think you touched on the most important word for this entire conversation, and that is love. Because love is so much more than a romantic notion. It's respect, it's loyalty, it's connection, it's empathy, it's listening, it's giving people our whole attention and being kind to ourselves. And, you know, just turning down the volume of expectating in everything. And as far as our body's concerned, we're either in a feeling of love. I love the sunrise. I'm loving being with my kids right now. I get to make my kids lunch. How grateful am I? Uh, you know, because I love them um, and how we frame it, how we think about it. And the only other part that the body and the brain considers is threat or fear. So whenever we're in threat or fear, we make stress hormones. Whenever we're in love, we're in connection. Mm. We could talk forever. I want to just say that um, lots of people, especially on social media, have asked me over and over and over again where I go for my retreats. And I'm very conscious not to share because I also go there alone and it's very private for me to be there. But it is Guingana. That's the one, that's my repeat place. That's the place I feel I get the most out of. And that's not going to be for everybody. But if you do go and you see me, <laughs> just know that I am really there to, to refill my cup and get all of these bits and bobs out there. I never take friends with me because I just, for me, it's a solo time but it is Gwingana retreat we can put all of this in the show notes your book though if you don't have the time space um financial there's also different ways you can frequent Gwingana which is really cool but you can do that research on your own you know there's different ways you can get there but if you want to start really simple use the tips tricks in this go to youtube or sharon's book we'll link in the show notes too it literally is by my bedside um, because I need it as a constant reference point. And it's just a nice reminder, <laughs> you know, kind of like a post-it note, like how to be well, you know, like am I doing that at the moment? So, Sharon, I really want to thank you for your generosity with being with us today. You're very expensive for people to book in with. So just know, guys, that this has been great value for all of our listeners today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zoe. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. Very grateful. Very grateful. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. 
It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.